Welcome to the FinTech One-on-One Podcast, episode number 350. This is your host, Peter Renton, chairman and co-founder of Lendit FinTech. Before we get started, I want to talk about the 10th annual Lendit FinTech USA event. We are so excited to be back in the financial capital of the world, New York City, in person on May 25th and 26th. It feels like fintech is on fire right now with so much change happening, and we will be distilling all that for you at New York's biggest fintech event of the year. We have our best lineup of keynote speakers ever with leaders from many of the most successful fintechs and incumbent banks. This is shaping up to be our biggest event ever as sponsorship support is off the charts. You know you need to be there, so find out more and register at lendit.com. Today on the show, I'm delighted to welcome Wayne Chang. He is the co-founder and co-CEO of Digits. Now, Digits is one of the most interesting companies I've seen in a long time, and they're hard to describe as well. They've got an engineering focus, and if you go to their website, uh, digits.com, you will see that pretty much right away. They're kind of in the small business accounting space, you would say, but it doesn't really do it justice. It's almost like saying a, a Ferrari is in the automotive space. They have uh, an approach. These are not people that's come from an accounting background. They came from like a user experience background saying, what should the user experience be for someone who is looking at an accounting report, for example? They've completely reimagined it. They've done something that I've never seen before. I'm really impressed uh, with what they're doing. So... It was a fascinating conversation. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, Wayne. Thank you. Happy to be here. Okay. So let's get started by giving the listeners a little bit of background. You've, you've done a lot in your career to date. You have a Wikipedia page, which I'll link to in the show notes. Many of the things you've done are listed there, but I'd love to get your perspective. Give us some of the highlights of your background. I grew up mainly an orphan and got into technology as a way to escape. And so it turns out that that technology changed the world. I was able to co-found a whole bunch of different companies. I was able to be part of Web 1.0 with Napster. I was able to be part of the Facebook story as social media got off the ground. Be a part of cloud storage with Dropbox, mobile with Crashlytics and Twitter. And now I'm doing a new company called Digits. And besides the company, I'm also an angel investor in, I think, 90 or 100 plus companies. Right, right. So you've been busy. Can we just go back and talk about Crashlytics and just tell us a little bit about the backstory there? And you sold to Twitter. You then worked, I believe, for Twitter. But tell us a little bit about that. So I met my co-founder, Jeff, who I co-founded Digits with 2011, about 10 years ago, a little over 10 years ago. And uh, he was working on this small little side project. It was able to just show the crashes that his app was causing. And I saw it. It wasn't anything like it is today. It was very rudimentary, very developer-esque, kind of ugly. And I knew right away that I'm like, oh, it's interesting. Are you sure that Apple and Google aren't fixing this problem? It seems like fixing crashes that apps on their platform are causing might be like a big priority. And so I started calling people, the head of mobile development at Weather Channel, which is one of the largest apps at that time. And I'm like, uh, how do you solve this problem today? Wayne, don't worry. We have this handled. 
we pay this guy $120,000 a year and he reads the app store reviews and he tries to figure out from the app store review oh. how it crashes. Oh, geez. Uh, I'm like, this is the state of the art in mobile development. So I'm like, this can't be, this can't be. Maybe this is a weather channel isolated thing. So then I go to a development shop and it turns out 60 to 70% of all development shops create these apps. So I go to development shop. I'm like, what do you do? And he said, oh, if we can't figure out internally, we find the exact phone and we send it to the customer, have them put their phone in a Ziploc bag and we bring it back to our lab. Oh, um, and Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so at that moment, I knew I'm like, this might be a problem that's perfectly horizontal across the entire app ecosystem. And it turns out we were right. 13, 14 months after we launched Crashlytics, Twitter acquired the company. Jeff and I went on to spend uh, four years at Twitter. Jeff became head of consumer mobile there with the Twitter app. I led developer relations and the whole development ecosystem there, as long as it was the Crashlytics contingent as well. And then Google took a look at the company and they said, mm, we only want the Crashlytics team. And so they took the Crashlytics team from Twitter and the entire Crashlytics software and other stuff that we built on top of it and brought it all over to Google. So now today, it's a standard in Google's mobile platform. And I think deployment is at 6 billion monthly active devices, I believe. Wow. So 99.2% of all smartphone devices have Crashlytics code in it. Wow, that's amazing. Well, let's move on to digits then. So tell us a little bit about the founding story there. Why did you decide to start it and what problem are you trying to solve? After um, Jeff and I left Twitter, we decided we've done the whole big co thing for a while. We want to get back to our roots, solve a problem with, with a company like Digits. We looked around and we're like, what are the big problems here? Well, with Crashlytics, we sort of hit top of market for developer tools and we got massive deployment. Our next thing has to be even bigger than that. And so we started thinking, what could be bigger than that? What's something that still hasn't been solved? We batted around and we started asking ourselves these deep-rooted questions. And it turns out finances in a company, through all our previous companies, it continues to not be innovated upon at the same speed as everything else. Mm -hmm. So Crashlytics came and you had like you had these crash reporting things. You had like mobile analytics. You had all this kind of stuff. And you have BI tools. But the financial industry and the accounting industry they were very underserved. It's not that they don't want the tools. There just wasn't enough focus, enough tool makers building tools for them. And we thought, is that a problem for us to solve? We came up with a question, well, for us to win in this market, we have to learn accounting faster than accountants can learn product development. And so far, we've proven that right. And we can continue to build our, our knowledge of accounting as we develop tools for the space. Tell us a little bit about the tools you have. The first tool was Digit Search, right? Just tell us a little bit about what you're offering. So this whole space blows my mind. It right. is the most fundamental tools you think would be there just simply don't exist. So one of them is search. It sounds so obvious. Google has made it such a, a normal thing. The homepage, you start up your browser, there's Google Search. But when it comes to your business finances or your client's business finances, if you just want to search hey, what did this person spend last, last week? Hey, are we over budget? What travel has happened? How does that, all of these types of simplistic questions require a human or a team of humans on the other end to synthesize, compile it, and get back to you. And that round trip is measured not in minutes, not in hours, in days, in weeks. 
Mm-hmm. And so it's not very actionable. There's no such thing as proactivity in the space. And so we built Digit Search to give you that in the moment, real time look at your finances. It sounds really simple. It was one of the hardest things that we had to go create because we had to solve a lot of things that the industry hadn't solved yet. So how does it work? I mean, what kind of data are you able to search on? So you can search pretty much anything that your finances touch you. So let's say that you want to find out, hey, did the pandemic affect my company's spend on travel? And that very simple question right there, hard to do with digits. You just type it in, travel or Uber or whatever, and it instantly just shows up. And you can also search, hey, what did the employee spend? Or how much do I spend over there? And even the blank slate problem, I don't know what to search for. We've created this thing called suggested searches, which we constantly recompile and we'll surface it up for you right under the search bar. You can just click, hey, you need to pay attention to employee salaries or you need to pay attention to your marketing costs because it spiked unexpectedly. We will give you these suggestions as well so you actually know in the moment what you should pay attention to and actually have the opportunity to shift course rather than not knowing about it for weeks on end. Right. So to do this, though, you obviously you must be hooking into the accounting system, whether it's QuickBooks or NetSuite or what have you. And then what about bank data? I mean, are you hooking into both those things or, or yes. what exactly are you hooking into? We're hooking into the ledger right now, QuickBooks, support for other ledgers coming soon. And we're also hooking to uh, institutions through Plaid and also direct relationships that we formed with some of the larger financial institutions out there. The magic sauce isn't just the hooking into it. That's the easy part, right? It's like, hey, we, we got access to this. The hard part is what you do with it. And it turns out all this data, all these pipelines, all these things, they're incredibly dirty data. It is not well labeled. Some institutions will say companies this, another institution will say it's this, and they might not match. And so we had to create the software that would dedupe, that would reconcile, that would match things up, just so that way we can make sure that when we show them the report along their time scale, there's no double counting and there's no data missing. It's exactly as they would expect it if they went to QuickBooks themselves. Right. So is the target then like the the internal like bookkeeper who's working on QuickBooks? Is it the accounting firm? Is it the small business owner? Who's the target? The target here, it's both the business owner and the accountant or the bookkeeper that's using QuickBooks. And the reason why it's both is when you first start out, that person that owner probably occupies those multiple roles. Right. And as the company gets bigger, it gets outsourced or you bring in someone new, things like that. So we built it to be very intuitive, very simple. It targets first and foremost, the accountant that's servicing the business owner. And we made it for the business owner when they see it, that it's it's not the same type of eye glazing. I don't understand this financial statement, but it's a very visceral, oh, wow, this is what it really means. I want all my stuff this way. Interesting. So, because obviously you can go find out how much you spent on travel last year. There's a QuickBooks report that will show you broken down by month. What is the advantage of doing it through digits and doing it just through an accounting report on QuickBooks? And that right there is one of the fallacies that we've discovered as we've ventured into the space. A lot of employees and a lot of people, they use systems like Expensify. They get billed as an Expensify charge. The system, QuickBooks, other systems, they don't see that as travel, for instance. Right. Or they might pay for things through PayPal or Stripe. Again, those things don't get classified. Those are transaction fees or other or uncategorized. This manual reconciliation, this manual deciphering of like, hey, what is this really? 
that's the stuff that we solve automatically. We break through Expensify. We break through Stripe. We break through PayPal. So that way we give you even more accurate information than what QuickBooks would generally show you. So I presume this is read-only, right? You're taking the data and you're just reading it because I could imagine there could be a thing where you would want to write the data. If Expensify is, you know, it's just coming in as an Expensify bucket and there's all kinds of things under it, what you're doing is read-only. Exactly. And our hypothesis was, you know, we want the industry to trust us, so we don't want to write anything back. We'll just read it from it and then we'll give you the insights and all that kind of stuff. What we've learned was it turns out our technology is so Good. I'm not saying that in an egotistical way. I'm saying that in a way where we've gotten so many requests that like, hey, we actually do want to write it back. You know what? I trust the stuff that Digits is showing. I want to push this back to QuickBooks. I don't want to have to do this myself now. You're showing me all this stuff on a page. You want me to manually put it back to QuickBooks? No, no, no. I want to click. And so we're working on some innovations coming uh, later this year around that. Uh, interesting. Interesting. Well, speaking about innovations coming you know, when you go to your website, and we're recording this in late February, going to your website, I'm on it right now, it says the next breakthrough period, digits countdown, and you've got a countdown timer that's um, many days away from something. I can go and join the wait list if I want, but can you sort of reveal what you're doing? I know we talked about this earlier. You said you're going to do an actual reveal for me. I have no idea what this is, by the way. I have no idea. We're recording this on Zoom, and he's going to share his screen, and I'm going to find out in real time what this breakthrough is. Oh, right. Peter, do you want to get a first look at digits? I do. <laughs> I'm going to just go ahead and share my screen. I know, and I love that it's podcast because I'm very visual, very design-oriented, and so I love keeping a surprise to surprise. <laughs> um, so let me go ahead and share digits. So before I share digits, you're probably thinking, hey, this is going to be a normal finance app, a nice big graph at the top, maybe some tables below, pie chart, maybe a list of things, right? Something like that. Right. That is not what we've built. <laughs> okay. So here we go. So this is Digits. We're logged in as a user of a real company. And this is Digits Search. And I'll, I'll just show you really quickly. So Digits Search, uh, we announced that last year. Just looks like a Google search box, basically. Exactly. And then so then you type in Uber, for instance, and you can see, oh, okay. You know, we even separate between Uber, Uber Eats. You can even look into, okay, all the different spend. Let's say you want to look, did the pandemic affect it? Oh, it did. Not great for Uber, right? And then you can even look into, let's see how they booked it. Their accountants booked it this way uh, as Uber inside travel. We reconciled it from Chase. We know that it's Uber, a company. We actually know who actually spent it. This is information QuickBooks doesn't give you at all. And then not only that, we can show you like fees, so like these are the fees that you're paying. You, know, you can see how it spikes up a little bit. And then here are the suggested searches that I was telling you that this changes per company per day. So like whatever changes will surface up here so you can take a quick look at it. So we announced this already. This has been a hit. People loved it because they simply do not have access to any type of search like that in their company or for their clients. So I should just point out too for the listeners who can't see this, that like you show beautiful charts. It's all visual. It's not just lists of things. It's really easy to metabolize, I guess, or just or analyze. So it's supposed to be almost like rather than having an analyst translate for you, we've done that for you. We, we, right. we, we made it to plain English. And so the thing that we're announcing soon, which will probably be announced by the time this podcast airs, is this thing called Digits Reports. Mm. And so Digits Reports, 
it's basically our way of reimagining financial statements, financial reporting. So every month you have uh, your accountant or your bookkeeper is supposed to give you your profit and loss statement, your balance sheet, your cash flow, and maybe some information of like what are the biggest change agents in that month. Right. Problem is there's no context. So let me show you our version of this. So I'll show you, let's say from January. So this is digits reports and it's beautiful, animated at the top. We give you an executive summary. And then here you have a simple profit and loss statement. And so you don't really know the context of like, are things good? Are things bad? However, we've made it so that with a feature we call hover to discover, you can simply just hover over it. Wow. And then you can see what's going on there. You can see their top customers, top transactions. When you're done, you just let go. And this works with every single line in the report. So you can see like did advertising marketing go up, did it not? And one of the toughest things is like, if you have a question about this, keep in mind, this is being sent today in a raw PDF form. There's no way to ask a question. A number of times that I have looked at that and said, I wonder what's going on there. And you have to go back and you have to run another report or go and do some more analysis. Just so for the listeners, you can see what he's hovering over advertising and marketing right now, hovering over and you get a bar chart of the whole of the last 12 months. Um, You can see who the vendors are, the, the main transactions. It's all kind of there where you've got a thing you can dive deeper into it. It's actually really cool. And then we also do the insight analysis. So uh, we even look at every single one of these. And then if, if there's some trend or something, we even show at the bottom, spend on advertising marketing generally stayed flat for the fourth and seven months at $410. You could add it to the executive summary at the top. And hmm. so accountants uh, who are preparing this for their clients, for instance, they just need to go here Click, click, click. Hey, you know what? I really do want that insight for advertising marketing. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to add that to the top. The best part about all this, well, there are a few. One is I can just comment anywhere. I can just say, hey, Drew, is this on target? And I can do all kinds of commenting. I can share this. And then all of this, all of these tools, search, reports, the other ones we're working on, all of it is enabled when you simply connect your ledger, let's say QuickBooks, mm-hmm. right. and then your financial statement, let's say Chase, and then you can see that we recognize bank accounts, credit cards, and then that's all you do. No configuration, no other setup. It just works. Wow. And so that is digits. <laughs> that really is pretty impressive, you know. The former head of the Small Business Administration under President Obama was a lady called Karen Mills. We've had her speak many times. I've had her on the podcast a couple of times. She wrote a book called Fintech Small Business and the American Dream. And she talked about small business utopia, where the business owner is going to have all the information they need at their fingertips at any time. As you were showing that, I was really thinking about what she described in that book she was describing something that didn't exist yet, but we knew it was coming. She wrote this in 2019. What you've just shown me is the closest I've seen the vision that the former head of the Small Business Administration had and really is something else. So then the next question that comes up is, I mean, how are you getting the word out? I mean, this is something that I could see every small business owner who uses QuickBooks should just have. It's actually been the opposite. We've been pulled into this. So Digital CPA from the AICPA and BKX, which is like the Digital Bookkeepers Association's conference, they've all reached out. 
there's a contingent of practitioners out there that want these tools. They're starving for it. They want it. They're seeing innovation happen in photo filtering. They're seeing innovation happen in social networking and crypto. But where's the innovation for them? And so uh, they've been hunting <laughs> for it. We're building it. And so for people that uh, are interested in this, if you have a small business or if you're an accountant, you have clients, we'll use QuickBooks, digits.com. That should be very, very simple. We've made it. We focus incredibly hard on the onboarding experience in the business sector, in the finance business sector that we're in. Onboarding is such a pain. There's a cottage industry where sometimes you have to send a sales integrator or on-prem integrator, take somewhere from six weeks to 18 months. Sometimes businesses go out of business integrating the software in and ours works in 30 seconds. That's really cool. Well, you have a goldmine of information here. There's a lot of ways you could take this. I could see how small business lenders would love to you know, have access to some of this stuff, but you know, what are your plans? We don't talk too much about our future plans. All I can say is that we are at the core a software company. Mm-hmm. And so we love building incredible software tools for a market that needs it. And so with Digits Reports, we will organize all of this information from all these different clients make it really simple. So our goal is, can we continue to build strong innovation in that way? Can we continue to build these tools to help these millions of financial professionals that don't have cutting edge tools? And so our goal is to continue down that path. Right, right. That makes sense. That makes sense. So I want to talk a little bit about, you know, you've got a pretty impressive list of investors backing you. And I I believe that you're just close to Series C, which by the time if this publishes will be public knowledge. So tell us a little bit about your fundraising journey. We were very fortunate. Series A was led by Benchmark and the person on our board is Peter Fenton. And we raised about 10 and a half million-ish from Benchmark and 72 Angels. We raised a Series B from GV and Benchmark, participation of Benchmark, and just for really from GV joined our board then. And by the time this podcast airs, uh, people acknowledge that we have raised a Series C. And the Series C is from SoftBank. And wow. so SoftBank and Harry Stebbings, 20VC, this is Harry Stebbings' first growth fund investment. He really wanted to make sure that this was his very first one and a few others uh, had joined. And so we raised a total of about $97.5 million to push us on this journey. We couldn't be happier to do this with, this, with such a great group of investors. Right. And so how big is your team now? A team right now is about 33 people. Okay. This new money from the Series C, is this going to be, is it building engineering? I mean, what are you going to use it for? Each raise that we do, we typically raise on time where we don't need to raise. That's, a, you know, capital raising 101, raise when you don't need it. And so when we raise the Series C, we already had quite a bit of runway. And so the Series C just adds to our runway. We don't have any immediate plans to deploy that capital more than it is to just build that war chest, making sure that our team is well-equipped to go on this journey. This industry is incredibly, incredibly broken from like a technology perspective. Right. And so it requires a lot of pressure, time, attention, and focus. And so we want to make sure we have the wherewithal to apply that time and focus. Right. Are you planning like a SaaS revenue model? I mean, I go to your website and I see the pricing tab. There's get digits for free and then everything else is join the wait list. So have you started making revenue or what's the model going to be? One of the things that I think we believe in uh, when it comes to developing product is 
you can only focus on one thing at a time. So either you build a great product and get distribution or you try to get revenue. It's so much more fun building a great product first <laughs> and then getting revenue later, right? There's like that saying like the hunter that chases two rabbits catches none. And so for us, we've been maniacally focused on building the product that our customer needs and customer wants. So we've been doing endless customer development calls, endless pairing, uh, just working directly with our demographic to build this. That includes the pricing, which we'll unveil later this year. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. You said you've invested in like 90 to 100 companies. And uh, can you tell us some of the companies you have invested in and what's your approach to angel investing? It's one of those vanity things that I have. But, uh, <laughs> On my site, Chang.com, which I got really lucky I was able to get that domain, it says 80 plus startups, 31 exits. So some of those companies, Open Door, Phase Clan, Crashlix acquired by Twitter, Dropbox, there's DraftKings, Giphy, Desktop Metal, SoFi, Nextcaller, Drift. There's a whole bunch of different companies that I've been very fortunate to be part of. The angel investment side of it for me at the stage I invest in, it's not really the idea more than it is the person. Yes, the idea accentuates it, but it has to be a really hungry, really go-getter type of entrepreneur who's really on a mission. And those are the ones that are hard to find. There are a lot of people out there that they think they want to start a company, but when it gets really tough, then you really know who's the real founder and who's not. And so we right. try to look for ones that are, that are really in it for the mission. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Last question, we'll end with something a little bit more lighter. You, uh, you're also in the movie business, I hear. I was reading about this. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing there. Oh, the movie business. Uh, <laughs> that's more of a hobby. Right. That is me scratching the itch of my inner child uh, that, <laughs> wants, that wants to you know, be in the glitz and the glamour and, and, and being with uh, childhood stars. Uh, and so I'm very fortunate to be part of different film projects with like Samuel L. Jackson. And, and it's just fun to be part of. It's not really a full-time passion more than I just like being on the red carpet. I just love being part of the whole storytelling thing. And I was very fortunate that someone won Emmys. And so I guess I am an Emmy award-winning dropout. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a great place to end it. Uh, yeah, Wayne, it was really fascinating talking to you today. And thanks for the demo. And uh, let's keep in touch. Same. Thank you. You know, I said before on this show here, I love small business. I've been a small business owner for pretty much my entire career. My father was a small business owner and I've always felt like the the tools for small business keep getting better. But this feels like to me like a leap forward and I feel like we finally have, as I said, what Karen Mills talked about, uh, this small business utopia. You can see where the information that small business owners need. It's been available buried in accounting software for forever, but um, you know it hasn't been like intuitive. It hasn't been actionable. It hasn't really been all that easy to sort of get a glimpse of what your financial situation is like as a small business owner. And that's what Digits provides. You know, I'm very bullish, as you can tell. You know, I went in not really knowing about Digits and I came away uh, super impressed. So, Anyway, on that note, I will sign off. I very much appreciate you listening and I'll catch you next time. Bye. 